Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. This is Gloria Squeed, and we celebrate the World Brain Tumor Day in the topic World Brain Tumor Day, Tech's Endless Rule. Now, every year on the 8th of June is celebrated as World Brain Tumor Day. Now, this initiative was initially taken by German Brain Tumor Association and is now celebrated worldwide to raise awareness and educate people about the brain tumor. There are lots of myths and misconceptions about brain tumor among the general population and we take this opportunity to discuss some basic facts. A brain tumor is a mass or growth of abnormal cells in your brain. Brain tumors are categorized as primary or secondary. A primary brain tumor originates in your brain, and many primary brain tumors are benign. A secondary brain tumor, also known as a metastatic brain tumor, occurs when cancer cells spread to your brain from another organ, such as your lung or your breasts. Brain tumors have largely been underestimated and ignored in resource-limited countries, and these type of tumors are not even listed among the important cancers in West Africa, which has had a serious negative impact on brain tumor research in this region. The world annual incidence of primary brain tumors has been estimated to be 3.7 and 2.6 for every 100,000 men and women respectively, with a higher rate in developed and developing countries. The mortality rates follow a similar pattern across sex and economic development. Now, in Nigeria, like in many West African countries, little research has been conducted on the incidence of brain tumors. In Nigeria, with a population of 140 million, there are only between 9 and 30 neurosurgeons practicing according to different reports. Hence, it is important to increase the awareness of brain tumors. I brought on a neurosurgeon, one who specializes in the treatment of brain tumors. Join me on the show. Is a neurosurgeon per excellence and has performed over 1,000 surgeries, both as a lead surgeon and assistant with numerous certifications gained. He primarily works at the Federal Medical Center, Idiaba, Abeokuta, Ogun State, and serves as a visiting consultant to many other hospitals in Lagos, like BM Empire Multi Specialist Hospital, Durant Hospitals, to mention a few. He is a member of the Nigerian Academy of Neurological Surgeon, Nigerian Spine Society, Nigerian Medical Association, and the American Association of Neurological Surgeons, just to mention a few. Let's welcome together Dr. Babatunde Aditumbi. Good afternoon to you, doctor. Good afternoon, ma'am. Thank you for having me. First, let's start with this. What are your opening thoughts about brain tumors? Brain tumor, it's one of the worst things that can happen to humans. It's a very consuming, uh, life-threatening, and a very difficult illness to actually take care of because you actually need a very large social support to get into this. But the good news is there are options of treatment available around our environment in Nigeria. So um, you made a remarkable introduction by letting us know what brain tumor actually is an abnormal growth which can occur like any other part of the body, but in this case, it's occurring in the cranial cavity. And once it occupies space, it generates pressure and affects the whole system. You know, the brain controls every part of the body. So once there's an alter in the contents of the cranial cavity, then we have problems. And this leads to a variety of things and causes much problems to us as a 
as we see as we move on on the little discourse. The risk factors for this same tumor, we don't really know, but scientists have shown that it's genetically linked. So what it simply means is that if there is an alteration in the genetic makeup of an individual, the person can develop a brain tumor. That means that it can be transmitted from a father to a son on a, through their lineage. So that can make people develop brain tumors. So what it also means is that if there's anything that alters that system, like radiations to the brain and to the parts of the body, that means the person can actually develop brain tumor. It also suffices to know that age, increasing age, can actually predispose you to brain tumor because your cells are labile and you can alter and give you problems causing brain tumor in the patient. So many factors happening and so many things that can that can cause brain tumor are also available, but just limited to the discourse. The main concerns are what we do see in our environment and how they present to us. Because there are non-specific symptoms and there are a little bit specific symptoms. The non-specific symptoms are the ones that confuse most people because people generally complain of headaches and headache that you're using are routine analgesia like a parastamol for and it's not going. People complain about vomiting, especially vomiting that is not related to anything like there's no fever. The patient is just feeling nauseated and vomits, especially in the early hours of the day, like in the morning like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and patients having headache towards that time. And especially when the vomit is related to that headache, we tend to suspect that this patient is having something in the brain, what we call a space-occupying lesion. It also suffices that we get confused about what the symptoms may be, especially with people that have stroke. Many people confuse stroke and patients we have with a brain tumor. The subtle difference is that patients with stroke have sudden neurological deficits, which means that they have sudden symptoms like weakness of the body, loss of consciousness. It's sudden. As against patients or people that have brain tumors, that is a progressive or gradual symptom. So the loss of function is gradual. As against stroke, that is sudden. So that in itself is very germane in distinguishing the two. And also we have complaints about patients being managed by other specialists like the ophthalmologist and the psychiatrist. You know, Brain tumor, depending on the part of the brain that the tumor goes, it's located in the part of the frontal lobe. And patient presents with aggression, change in personality. And people think if the patient is actually mad or something, so they take to the psychiatrist, which treats and notice that patient is not getting better, decide to do an imaging. Once the imaging is done, they now find that it's actually a space occupying lesion. They send to the neurosurgeon for further treatments. Mm-hmm. Also, patients that have a visual impairment. They move around seeing the opticians as against seeing the ophthalmologists. You know, that's quite different. The ophthalmologists will try to see how far they can get to the roots of what is causing your visual impairments. So when scans are done, they get to know it's a space of population, which might actually be in what we call the cellar region or any part of the brain that just generates pressure in the brain. That's causes visual impairment and that's patient eventually centrals. So those are common things that usually come around to sports to see. Wow. Amazing doctor. I mean you've mentioned the part of not really knowing what could cause a brain tumor. You mentioned I think I think I heard you say something like that. Aside yes. from the brain yes, exactly. Is there a reason for that, doctor? 
No, there's no particular reason. No, many things happen that you don't really know, but you have what we call risk factors. That's why we talk about the genetically linked factors. We have so many syndromes in which I don't want to bore the populace with. We have what we call neurofibromatosis, Tucker syndrome, leoperineum, von Hippel-Lindau syndromes, which are associations of constellation of symptoms that can predispose that if a patient has, that we can have a point that, okay, this person is likely to have a brain tumor, presenting with such constellation of symptoms. Hmm. All right. So basically, through diagnosis from the right source, one will be able to know that probably a patient has brain tumor. Yes, yes. Okay, then let's now focus on the crux of this conversation. Doctor, what role has technology played in the treatment, in the diagnosis, in the prevention of brain tumors? Technology has done so much for us, especially in this part of the world that we are getting more and more exposed to what is really available for us to use. You know, in the developed world, this are already present in as far as back 10, 15 years ago. You know, you can imagine 10, 15 years ago, if you have a brain tumor, you have to either travel out or die with it. But things are changing, the narration are changing. So technology has helped us in awareness, diagnosis, treatment, as well as rehabilitation. In awareness, this is like what we are doing now talking to people about it. That's technology on radio, television, social media. You understand? So all these are technological advancements. The internet service and, you know, people can go online and search for information and get to know about what brain tumor really is. So in terms of diagnosis, there are different types of machines and equipment that are used for diagnosis. But for the sake of this discourse, I'll limit it to quite a few. We have what we call magnetic resonance imaging. It's quite available readily available, especially in Lagos and in the environs. Some other states might not still have them, but they are coming up with what it is. So it gives us what the tumor looks like, the location, the size, and the possible duration a tumor has been present in the brain. So another modality is what we call the computer the tomography scan, which popularly we call the CT scan. It's also available. It tells us the relations of like the MRI, but the resolution is quite uh, not as good as the magnetic resonance imaging. But still gives us an idea of what is going on. And it tells us what bony involvement of the tumor is. There are other modalities like the post-transmission tomography scan, which is called the PET scan, the SPET scan. And even our ultrasound in good hands will tell us specifically what tumor is, especially in babies, using who has a front channel. As you know, there's a space. The bones of the babies are not so, so fused already. There are spaces like a window you can look through using an ultrasound to give us an idea that there's actually two more or not. But by and large, if you are to choose one, probably due to finance or some other conditions, you just to choose one or what to do to actually locate where a brain tumor is, you choose what we call the magnetic resonance imaging. So that's the aspect of diagnosis. In the aspect of treatments, you know, treatment options for tumor include the surgical aspect, the chemotherapeutic aspect, and the radiotherapy. So that's why in the treatment of these patients or these people, we, it's, uh, it is multidisciplinary. You need so many specialists to actually take care of these patients. And uh, one of them is the neurosurgeon. We have the radio oncologist. We have the psychiatrist, the physiotherapist. We need the neurologist speech therapists, you know, we need many people. So it is heavily financially dependent and a good social support is needed to actually treat this patient. We need to understand the endomocity of all this. 
for the surgical aspects, the technology has helped us using what we call an operating microscope. Operating microscope is like a magnifier. It helps us during our surgical intervention to actually see the margins. You know, the brain is a very delicate structure. One millimeter inch away from the tumor matters. So instead of going through normal brain, you have to go through the planes of the tumor so that you have a safe resection and patient goes in and comes out as best as possible. So this is available for us here in Nigeria and there are different grades depending on the facility you are using. Also, in the technology-wise, we have what we use for our surgical procedures, what I call endoscopes. Endoscope is also like a magnifier, but unlike the microscope, the views are wider and internally the channel they walk through as it actually smaller, so the recovery also is faster, depending on how it is used. There are other machines also available in Nigeria that helps in actually locating the side of the tumor, because there are some tumors that are on the surface, there are some that are deep, there are some in the places what I would call the eloquent area, the very delicate area. You actually need something that will tell you the precise location of the tumor, so that you go there straight, you take out the tumor, and patient is better off. We call it the neural navigation system. It's like mapping, mapping the brain and telling you where exactly the problem is and you go there and sort it out. <laughs> so there are things like if you have tumor in the so-called eloquent area too, that you don't want to even use anything physical in terms of going into the brain and coming as want to use what we call gamma surgery, gamma knife. I use radiations to actually take out the tumor and we all reduce the size of the tumor depending on the case. So there are many, many options that technology have brought to the table to make sure that patients are actually safer with the outcome of this surgery. You know, in those days, you do surgery, brain surgery for 24 hours, 18 hours. With the advent of this technology, you can actually finish those surgeries under six hours, seven hours, as compared to what we do before. <sighs> wow, doctor, that's a lot to take in. Now, we must understand that even the duration sometimes make people afraid of going for surgery. Plus, uh -huh. we've known over time that the diagnosis of brain tumor does not always mean that there's going to be a poor outcome. I mean, after the surgery, post-surgery, as we've always seen some surgical procedures come out successful. Yet, doctor, many are still scared about a brain tumor surgery. Perhaps if they understand the outcome and survival rates, then this narrative might change. So, what factors determine the survival rate of a brain tumor surgery? Brain tumor surgery is actually a very big deal. So, it is, it is quite interesting that people go in and come out and they are actually safe. And, you know, when I talk to my residents and they ask me, sir, is this patient still going to be normal after the surgery? I say, yes, of course, it will be normal when you see you know. So, when we finish the surgery, I ask them, what do you think? I say, I'm quite surprised that this patient can actually talk normally again. <laughs> so it's quite a difficult thing. You know, it's quite, it's not easy for you to give your brain out for somebody to operate anyway. Because we know that that's the angel yes. for a survivor. So the factors that determine how safe the surgery is, is the type of tumor. You know, we have what we call benign or malignant tumor. Benign means that it's just an ordinary growth. It's not going to affect so much of a system. But because it's just occupying an abnormal space, that's why it's causing symptoms of headaches, vomiting, weakness. So once you remove it, then you're fine. As against if it is cancer. So if it is cancer, that means the prognosis is bad. It's poor. Even in the best of centers like the United States or Germany, you might not have more than three, six months, even in the best of centers, if it is cancer. So the type of tumor determines the outcome. The location, we have what we call surface tumor. 
And the surface tumors, they are easily accessible and the outcome is better as compared to the deep tumor. For example, if you have a tumor in the surface of the frontal lobe or the temporal lobe or the parietal lobe, the prognosis is better as compared to a tumor that is found in the brainstem. Brainstem is the region of the brain that controls our hearts, the way we breathe. Most of the channels that controls our hands and legs pass through that region. So you can imagine a tumor sitting right inside it. So the outcome is not as fantastic as if it is just on the surface. Like you just go there and you take it out. The duration of symptoms, a tumor that has been there for donkey years as compared to a tumor that just started about uh, a month ago is smaller. It's as against the one that has been there for like 10, 15 years that is so big and huge, occupying so much space. The outcome obviously will be better. But that does not may really mean that all recently developed tumor outcome is better than the ones that are long-standing because if a tumor just started last week, and it's consistent on this week, that means the rate of growth is faster as compared to the one that started 10 years ago. So that means the prognosis of that is actually likely to be worse than the one that started a long time ago. So there are other things that we just look at. And comorbidities, meaning that a patient that has hypertension, diabetes, chest infection, the outcome is will be poorer than a person that's in cold feet that can withstand the stress of surgery. So those are the few things that we look at to actually tell you that we assure you that it is well, don't worry, you'll be fine. But the good thing is that 90% of these cases can actually be taken care of. The very few ones, which is the malignant ones, we don't usually see them. The reason is simple because they're actually dangerous, they're actually vicious and kill people faster. They might not even get to the hospital. But for you to even get to the hospital, for us to detect, that means you're likely to survive. That is what it is. <sighs> Wow, doctor. I mean, you mentioned for the cancerous ones, they have three or five months. Do you mean three or five months after the surgery to leave? Yes. What we're saying is that like the glioblastoma, the malignant gliomas, we're talking of average of six months to leave, whether with intervention or no intervention. We can only push it a little. You can remember the story of the former United States presidential aspirants that died of brain tumor. You can imagine that. Are we saying they don't have what it takes to treat the man? No. It simply means that with or without treatment, it's going to go. So the function is just put your house in order, social support, and let him live in peace for the time he's going to be with them. Wow. That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. But then some people still go through it, sadly. Sadly. Yes. Now, many sufferers of brain tumor choose to seek spiritual healing instead. Doctor, we're still having that issue. Some of these people believe that piercing the body of a cancer patient with a metallic object, such as needles or blades, can result in metastasis. Now, what do you think is the logical solution to combating this improper treatment? One of the logical solutions is what we're doing. And that's the main thing. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Awareness to the hopeless awareness to the medical and uh, health practitioners because some people you need to when you see or suspect brain tumor patients you need to have a low threshold for screening screening using the magnetic resonance imaging is a non-ionizing device that it doesn't have any injurious impact to the system so we should do it the main drawback of the magnetic resonance imaging is finance is expensive so if we can have government support that this screening tool is readily is available but it's cheaper and affordable then we should get on with it you know the 
aspect of uh, using the religious uh, centers, you know, when uh, religious leaders keep on saying these things are not real, that can be healed, can be cured. Yes, I believe I'm a Christian, but we should face reality and tell them to go to the hospital to present early so that all these things can be sorted out early. Because once it's getting beyond limits, even if you have all the money in the world, nothing can be done about it. All right, that's it then. Uh, before we run off, let's talk about prevention, not even getting the brain tumor at all. Is there anything we can do as uh, human beings so we don't even have a brain tumor at all? I mean, are there preventive measures we can take? Well, there's no, there's no preventive measures that you would want to consider than to live a healthy life and avoid unnecessary radiation. Some people will wake up because they have money, they say they want to do a brain scan, a brain scan, a brain CT, a brain CT, ionizing and radiating your brain. And we should avoid living in industrial areas. And we should also keep watch. If we have family history, that means we need to do screening, probably yearly, yearly screening, depending on the type of tumor that affected the parents or the grandparents or other siblings, so that we keep on looking out for it. And also, if... There are traces that they confirm syndromes that run in the genetic line of the family members. That also will prompt people to actually do screen exercises to make sure that if at all it is found, it is caught early. Not the earlier, the better. Mm-hmm. Then you'll be advised appropriately on what to do. Well, I agree. The earlier, the better. So I'd just like to ask you, Doc, out of all of the brain surgeries, which symptoms do you think comes the highest? Headaches. Mm-hmm. Headaches. Most of them will come down with headaches. And the next will be the patient will come with weakness and people will think it is stroke. Mm. Uh, stroke, it is stroke. And the next one is what we call seizures, convulsion. So whenever you see an adult, an adult, full grown man or woman, that suddenly convulse, you, you don't even need to think about anything. Just think about it is brain tumor to prove otherwise. Just let them go and get brain scan. Screen him and be double sure that there's no brain tumor there. So those are the things that we see commonly. Very few times we see people from the psychiatry home. They've been treating them for years. I have psychiatry problem, blah, 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 this and that. By the time they do a brain scan, they will. So that's why we keep on talking to ourselves as medical practitioners. We talk to our colleagues, the pharmacologists, the psychiatrists. The neurologists will always work hand in hand, so they always refer their cases almost immediately. So we see we talk to them that you should have a low threshold for screening these people. It is better for you to be negative so that you face what it is primarily as against that you think is just a simple thing and it's actually complex. So that's what we what we do with them. All right, Doctor, your final words as we wrap up. What do you have to say as regards the World Brain Tumor celebrating today? Okay, brain tumor for us in Africa. In your introductory part, you talked about the number of neurosurgeons in Nigeria. Actually, uh, our teachers and trainers, our senior ones, have done quite a good job. Like 15 years ago, we just have about five people taking care of the whole country. But now we are almost 100 anyway. We are like 90 something now. So even though the target is about 2,000 that we are aiming at, that we have about 2,000 euros to just take care of the population and get up about 200 million people. So we still have a long way to go. But well, we, we're trying our best to still cover as much spaces as possible. I think about 27 states is covered already. So I would say to us in Nigeria that, like I said earlier, 90% of the cases can actually be taken care of in our environments. So we shouldn't panic. No panicking. Brain tumor is not a death sentence. You can actually take care of it. You can actually manage it. Many of it. 
many, many, many people have managed. I remember the one, the landmark one we did in uh, in Ogun State. That was for a man that was as a man for the five seconds for a long time. He had his brain surgery. It was an 18-hour surgery. It's fine today. He comes to my clinic visits and we do that. Mm-hmm. Even though we are sure that not everyone survived, and we understand the fact that one one patient that is lost is hundred percent mortality to the family. So we understand that fact. We will keep on doing our best. All right, then. I think that's a good way to just wrap up the conversation right here. We've been speaking to a neurosurgeon per excellence. I mean, he has performed over 1,000 surgeries, both as a lead surgeon and assistant with numerous certifications. He primarily works right now at the Federal Medical Center, Idiabai, in Abeokuta, Ogun State. And he visits many other hospitals as a consultant. I've been speaking with Dr. Babatunde Aditumbi. Thank you for joining me on the show, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, that said, you've heard from the horse's mouth. I mean, early detection of brain tumors is very important, especially because most of them are treatable and maybe life-threatening at the same time. If you leave them alone, it can really be life-threatening. The right treatment under the best facilities is the key so that maximum tumor resection combined with utmost safety may lead to the improved patient's outcome. Like doctor said, a brain tumor is not a death sentence, but ensure that you see your doctor if you're worried about any symptoms you are expecting. Experiencing, you will definitely survive. That's our prayer that you will be a survivor. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on AfricaTechRadio.com.